Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Sitka's assembly has postponed a vote to approve a new airport lease with the state of Alaska. When the group met last night, the assembly members agreed to hold off on renewing the 55-year contract, at least until the next meeting. The city is preparing to receive over $40 million in grant funding to revamp the airport terminal building, which it owns, while the state owns the land it sits on. But earlier this winter, Municipal Administrator John Leach told the assembly they'd hit a snag. They needed to renew the city's lease with the state first before moving to the next phase of the project. And some of the new lease terms proposed by the state gave assembly members pause. The proposed lease would cost the city around $17,000 a year. The lease the assembly reviewed last night doesn't include parking fees. Those could come before the assembly for consideration down the road in a separate sublease agreement. But for now, assembly members want more Sitkins to read the document as is before it comes back before the assembly at its December 12th meeting. Internet and phones are back online for residents in Wrangell, cut off after last week's landslide. The power and phone company AP&T announced on Tuesday that all landlines and internet connections on the island's south side of the slide are functioning. Residencies, residences rather directly north of the slide zone are expected to be fully wired and operating with phone and internet service on Wednesday. Shannon McCarthy is a spokesperson for the State Department of Transportation. She says power was restored for all areas late Monday night. She says the landslide affected a large area between 11 mile and 12 mile of Zimovia Highway. We do have a better estimate of the area impact and, and it's around 38 acres of, of, a, of, you know, of impacted area. Residents are allowed to drive through the slide area during three time slots per day. McCarthy says those 30-minute slots will continue over the next few days to ensure the public's safety while road crews restore the damaged section of the highway. On Tuesday, crews cleared more debris on the north side of the slide and continued repairing shoulder embankments. Another focus this week is removing debris on both the up- and downhill slopes of Zimoia Highway as well as straightening the drainage area. McCarthy says that removing the debris will help stabilize the slide zone and over time, the area will settle down. That's why we're, we're having a monitoring program. While our crews are working, we actually have people with eyes on the slope to see um, if it's going to shift on us because we want to get people out of the zone if that's the case. Uh, and that's also the case with the public traveling on it. Over the past eight days since the slide occurred, Power and landline crews have worked diligently to restore services to the south side of Wrangell Island. Scientists say climate change is driving more landslide in southeast Alaska. That means communities are more at risk from devastating slides. But there are things communities can do to prepare. That's according to four experts who joined Talk of Alaska yesterday morning. Aaron Jacobs is a senior hydrologist for the National Weather Service in Juneau. He said climate change is bringing more intense rain to southeast Alaska, and those heavy rainstorms are happening both earlier and later in the year. Later in the season um, is important because there's um, sometimes there's snow on the ground, and that snow melt can increase the water into the soils. 
Saturated wet soil and high winds can trigger landslides, Jacob said. When the ground is no longer stable, gravity takes over and the muddy soil mass begins streaming downhill, taking down trees and anything else in its way. State geologist Gabriel Wolken says the conditions in Wrangell last week were similar to two other landslides in the last decade in Sitka and Haines, and those conditions aren't going away. Rain continues to fall on already saturated soils in Wrangell and across the region, so the potential for additional landslides continue, particularly following intense local rains and high winds in some of these areas. That means communities need to prepare. Sitka offers one example— After the landslide in 2015 killed three people, there was a lot of anxiety that another slide could strike. Sitka ended up partnering with scientists to develop a landslide warning system. Whatever the reason, southeast Alaska is green. From the mixed conifer forest to the roadside shrubbery, there's a lot of green, but not all of it is benign. An invasive species has found a home along southeast highways, and a recent gathering of experts in Sitka are determined to eradicate it. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. It comes from Japan, and it can't be stopped. You can't burn it, drown it, or bury it. Concrete is nothing but so much dust in its path. What is it? Actually, it's worse than Godzilla. It's Japanese knotweed, and it's been quietly taking over many roadways in southeast Alaska. This plant possesses supernatural qualities, unearthly qualities that are not of this world. John Hudson is with the Southeast Alaska Watershed Coalition in Juneau. He spoke at the Alaska Invasive Species Partnership Conference in Sitka in November. He is working on ways to destroy a plant that is almost indestructible. Apparently you can douse it with salt water. Doesn't suffer too much from that. You can take the cuttings and toss it in the ocean for a couple days and it'll just wash up somewhere else and take root. If you're crazy enough to bury this stuff, dig the hole 15 feet deeper, deeper, because it can remain dormant underground for 20 years. Hudson says it is the most invasive plant in Alaska and it's often called the most invasive plant in the world. Like Godzilla, it appears bent on destroying the civilization that unleashed it. And the frickin' thing can grow through buildings, brick buildings. Look at that. This plant grew through a brick building and out the roof. The picture Hudson used to illustrate knotweed growing through a building was captioned, Relax, this is Britain. In Alaska, knotweed prefers not the urban zone, but the urban fringe, especially habitat where the much-loved salmonberry grows and which it will eventually smother. There are about 400 knotweed infestations in Juneau and a bit less in Sitka, but only because Sitka's road system is smaller. The infestation is only partly the plant's fault. The reason knotweed loves highway pullouts and remote turnarounds is because that's where people put it. Hudson calls it Dump Your Stuff Sunday, an American tradition to discreetly drive out the road somewhere on the weekend and dump old appliances, furniture, and sometimes yard waste. He put up another picture of a pile of dead leaves and branches someone had thrown out beside the road in Juneau. Among all the brown stems were two that were bright green. Well, if you look closely at that yard waste pile, this appears to be viable stalks of knotweed there, and it doesn't care that it's fall or that winter's coming. It'll survive the winter, and two years later, exactly, there you have it, a nice little knotweed patch. 
It will double the next year, double again the next year, keep doubling. And at some point in time, a hydro axe or a mowing unit or a snow plow will come along and it will move it. And that's where the rest of those knotweed infestations come from. No one is quite sure how knotweed came to Alaska. Almost certainly it arrived as an ornamental. It is quite beautiful. And probably by a gardener and not by a gold miner or, as is rumored, by famed naturalist John Muir. However it arrived, Hudson is committed to ousting it. He's found a recipe of 2%, the herbicide Roundup Custom, and 1% surfactant sprayed directly on foliage late in the growing season will knock down knotweed, but only if you diligently reapply annually for several years. He's been lucky to win the help of the State Department of Transportation with this work, and he soon may have another colleague. Oregon State University researcher Fritzi Grovstad traveled to Japan to find knotweed's natural enemy. So this is a picture from Japan, and this is kind of often knotweed looks like this. It's very, very shabby looking, and that's because there's a variety of insects feeding on it. Knotweed in Japan is engaged in an eternal struggle with a small insect, a psyllid, which evolved to eat it specifically. Grovstad joined an international team that traveled the length of Japan in 2007 collecting psyllids, feeding on all three varieties of knotweed, and brought them back for testing against a number of native North American species related to knotweed. After nine years of testing, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service issued a finding of no significant impact, and Grovstad was granted a release permit, giving us a tiny ally in the battle against this invasive. They're very effective at damaging and killing knotweed. But it doesn't necessarily mean the knotweed problem is solved. Grovestad has been developing a biocontrol program in the Pacific Northwest, releasing thousands of psyllids in eight states over the last three years. And what worked pretty well in the greenhouse under laboratory conditions has not been as successful in the field, with populations of psyllids failing to survive beyond a couple of winters. Predation by North American critters like ants may prevent psyllids from surviving, along with other factors that may or may not be present in Alaska. Grovestad says she doesn't know what would happen if psyllids were released here. They may like this environment better, she says. Even if biocontrol works, John Hudson warned the members of the Alaska Invasive Species Partnership to never let down their guard against knotweed or whatever comes next. Spoiler alert here. Everybody's aware of that capsule of soil from an asteroid that NASA's sitting on? They haven't quite opened it up yet. Have you heard of this? They collected the soil off an asteroid 100 million miles away. I know what's in it. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Well, thanks for tuning in. This is Morning Edition on Raven Radio, KCAW.